And now, here's your host, Scott Foster. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Tweet Talk. I'm coming to you from the beautiful Saturday morning here in New York City. And I know I haven't been here in a while. Apologize. Just, you know, life gets in the way. But I had to get one out. Had to get something out. Miss you guys very much. And I appreciate you being here. And I got a great show for you today. And we are going to jump right into it because there's lots of big news. Now it's time for What Happened Since We Last Call. as an election night became an election week, maybe even an election 10 days. It's still kind of going on, but not really. Joe Biden is our 46th president to be sworn in January 20th. Now, I'm not going to get into the ridiculousness of what's going on, but I do want to talk about some amazing facts, some amazing facts and tidbits about this election. The turnout rate was about 67%, which is higher than the country has witnessed ever in almost more than a century. As of right now, Joe Biden had 78,729,579 votes compared to Trump's 73,126,938,000 votes. Just shy of 6 million votes is the difference. The most ever for a presidential candidate. And also most ever for a loser. And so it's, it's pretty amazing that we saw this turnout. Now, still, a lot of people did not vote, but that's a discussion a different time. And a state-by-state analysis found that 76% of the Americans that were eligible to vote a record, again, a record number, because of the pandemic, because of other issues probably, but regardless of what, whatever the reasons may be, Nearly half of all the 2016 ballots were cast before Election Day. This year, that number was up to two-thirds, and most of them were by mail. And the biggest states that had mail-in votes was Florida, which had 4.8 million, and Trump won that state, and Pennsylvania, which had almost 2.7, and Biden won that state. Interesting enough, part of the dilemma that and the issues that came about as a result of this election was that legislatures and states anticipated the mail-in, the use of mail-ins. So one of the biggest things this year was the mail-in votes. And anticipating the mail-in votes and the counting of them and trying to get it done before the election that was over, states like Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, Florida all lobbied to be allowed to count those votes and ballots before the regular election day ballots. Republicans in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania all blocked that. 
and did not allow pre-election day counting of the ballots. So that's what happened with the long-running ballot counting. And that's why we didn't have states give up their votes and their decisions until later in the week. So just some big tidbits about this election. We will see the oldest American head of state ever. Biden turned 78 this past Friday. He won a traditionally Republican state of Arizona and Georgia, neither of which have voted Democrat since the 1990s. Donald Trump is the first losing president since George Bush Sr., uh, the first incumbent president to not get a second term. Now, no surprise if you watched any of this at all in terms of the elections and the even the legislature, the, the, the run for Congress. This, the 2020 elections were the most expensive in history, costing over $14 billion. Twice as much as the last election. And not just the Democrats, but on both sides. But Joe Biden raised over a billion dollars, which is the first candidate to do so. So just some really interesting things about this election. And it just remains to be seen where the habits and the consequences of this election take us in future elections. Will there be lots of reform? Will there be lots of other restrictions? Will there be overhauls of the election and voting process altogether? Remains to be seen. Now on with the fun stuff. Just talking a little bit about sports. The big news, Kim Eng has become the first female of a major male-dominated sport organization. She became the GM of the Tampa Bay Marlins. And hats off to her. She earned it. She worked her way up. And it's going to be amazing to see what she does. So cheers to her. We have basketball starting up soon. We've already had the issues of COVID with football, college football, games, matches, games lost, games canceled, games rescheduled. Now we have basketball, which is even closer netting and close contact than football. So we'll see what happens. In, in hopes of having a complete season and a good season, the NCAA will hold the men's college basketball tournament, March Madness, next year in one city. And instead of spreading it out across the country, the 64 or 68 team tournament will be held in one city and it'll be single animation and it will start in March 16th and end with a championship game on April 5th and it'll all be held in the state of Indianapolis. Hopefully that'll work and will be effective for keeping our basketball players safe. Now, I just have to bring in a big, quick, a quick question. As we start getting to the end of the college football season, and again, it's been a very, very crazy one. You have a wacky ranking. You have you know teams that haven't lost in a while, lost. Clemson has a loss. Who would have thought? You have... Notre Dame at number two. You have teams like Florida who've been up there, but they're not so much, but they're number five. You have Cincinnati undefeated. You have BYU undefeated. When was the last time that happened in the top 10? And you again, you have teams like Penn State that have not won a game. 
brings me to my important question that I, I, I want to ask you. We've already had one major coaching firing. It happened to be my alma mater, University of South, uh, of South Carolina, fired their coach. Should have happened years ago, but that's a different story. But given all that's going on this year, the issues with COVID, the lack of preseason, the lack of non-conference whoop-ass games, do coaches deserve to be fired? Or do universities take this as the perfect opportunity, since it's a wonky season anyway, if they're not doing well, and the fact that the NCAA has said that every team that participates this year, regardless of record, makes a bowl game, do universities cut their losses now, fire the coach if they're doing bad, and get through the rest of the season, start fresh in the spring. So that by the time we get to the 2021 season, they're ready to go. They're fresh. They, they're not wondering what's going to happen this year. Are we going to still be bad? I'm very mixed. I'm a huge college football fan. I hate seeing my favorite teams do bad. But I think it's the right call if this is a perfect opportunity for teams to clean house, fumble their way to the end of the season, forgive the pun, and then just start fresh. Clean slate, new team, get the players excited for the new coaching, and go. That's my two cents. Let me know yours. AD underscore Foster. Twitter or Instagram. Very curious to hear what your thoughts are on that topic. If you're a space fan like I am, then you were excited about the latest mission, the latest launch from Kennedy. The Crew-1 from NASA's SpaceX crew with the first mission with a rotational flight of U.S. commercial spacecraft with astronauts to the International Space Station. They'll stay there for about six months. And a huge, huge step in us getting back to the moon, us getting to Mars, and overall getting the United States back into spaceflight. Very exciting for NASA and the Crew-1 astronauts and their spacecraft, which is called Resilience, by the way, highlighting the dedication to the teams, all of NASA. It was also the first night launch at Kennedy Space Center since one of these space shuttle missions back in April 2020. And now for some just more serious stuff. I, I just, I'm going to touch on it a bit. I know we're all in it. We're hearing it all. But I think, yes, there is the exciting promise of two companies that have are very being have very successful trials for a vaccine and the future is very bright for vaccines but again just like most vaccines over the years not everybody's going to do it more people will probably do it now because we just can't take it, it we can't take it for granted and get slack in what we've been doing and yes i know the massive things we have thanksgiving coming up a lot of people have changed their plans a lot of people have canceled their plans but we just have to understand it's for the better. Like, we want to get out of this. We, 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 when we get to March, which will be about the anniversary of when all this went down in the first place, we don't want to be in the same place. We want to be in a better place. We want to celebrate the spring. We want to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. You know, those kind of things. And beyond. People want to travel. So we should all be doing our parts. And that's all I'm going to say about that as we get into our fun tweets. Because we have lots of fun topic tweets that I want to talk with you today. 
So let's jump right into it. And now, a word from our sponsors. Ooh. Check this out. So our first tweet comes from at Nerdist, at N-E-R-D-I-S-T. And they're referring to the Scorpion King, which has announced that they're going to do a reboot. And that reboot launched the careers of people like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And they ask, what movie reboot was better than the original? And I don't know that I can't start anywhere else but Batman. And Batman Begins in Christopher Nolan and what he did to the Batman Dark Knight legacy. Now, the Joel Schumacher movies, which is the ones I grew up with, they were good. They were amazing comic book movies. They, he gave so much and, and pioneered so much into comic book movie making and characters. But Christopher Nolan brought such a dark character, a, what I know as Batman and even the Bruce Wayne. And just created this whole new world that mesmerized thousands of people. Millions of people even. And, of course, spawned The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Just overall better than the originals. Next up, we have Star Trek. Now, I've been a Star Trek fan all my life. While the first ever one, the Star Trek, the movie, was good, and it brought the Star Trek characters into the movie theater, into the matinee, the story itself was just not there, and it was a little disappointing. And I'm talking strictly about the first one, the first Star Trek movie. But then J.J. Abrams gave us this new cast, this new cast of Captain James T. Kirk and Spock and even a better story and just, again, helped a lot by the advancement in special effects and visual effects. But still, the story was greater, it was bigger, it set up a world that we could go anywhere. And for me... The J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie was better than the original. Now, staying a little bit closer to home, a little on Earth, if you will, we talk about True Grit. Henry Hathaway's 1996 version was a really good movie. It was a good Western. It was a good feel. The movie itself was, was pretty good. But the Coen Brothers 2010 remake is excellent. And with the cast that they put together... Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, Haley Steinfeld, and Josh Brolin. A tight script that just kind of interweaves the story, the action, the adventure, and the humor. For me, that was just an amazing movie and brought the level of the original up a little bit. Just kind of, just really enjoyed that. Then we jump. Any movie that Martin Scorsese does is most likely going to be amazing, especially if it's a remake and... I'm sure he intended to pay a lot of tribute to the original movie, but nonetheless, his Cape Fear in 1991, far better than the 1962 Cape Fear version with Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum. This time, Robert De Niro stalking the family. And you have an evil, crazy, maniacal Robert De Niro in a scary ish movie and a stylish movie put together by Martin Scorsese, it's going to be ridiculous. The fear that the movie evoked itself and the emotions that it gave you, the viewer, were as intense, even alone. 
Now, jumping back to some other examples, mostly science fiction movies, and then you take Judge Dredd. You have the Stallone version versus the Carl Urban version. Quite honestly, I, I prefer the Carl Urban movie. It was closer to the origin story and the, and the stories of the Judge Dredd, the comic. And so, for me, that was the better movie. Finally... Planet of the Apes. I was, I was a fan of the originals, the way back 70s movies. Loved them, watched them, and would rewatch them as, as I got later in life as they came on the movies, on the TV. And then we have, we had Tim, Tim Burton. So this is like a remake of a remake. And then 2001, got all excited. Tim Burton said he was coming out with one with Mark Wahlberg. And I was, oh, that was going to be awesome. And I was, could never have been more disappointed in a movie in a very long time. Did not like the 2001 version of Planet of the Apes. Then comes the 2017 version of Planet of the Apes. It was a smoother, more realistic origin story of the natural smarting up of our, of our apes, of our chimpanzees, of the whole ape group, and how they evolved into what they would eventually do and, and take over the planet. Really thought that was a, as a clever way of moving from apes in the cages to the end of the movie, setting up what would eventually be more apes movies that showed the progression of apes ruling the world. Those were really fun. And I, if you haven't seen those, I encourage you to watch those. But those are just some of my picks as movies, reboots that were better than the originals. What did you think? Do you agree with my choices? Let me know. Get at me. A.D. Foster, Twitter or Instagram. Okay, so this one is a fun one for me. I'm, I'm a sports geek. I'm a sports fan at heart. I love pretty much all sports. And you, even when there's a big moment, a sports moment, it doesn't matter what the sport is. It, the way it grabs a country or a state, a world around it, and just everybody loves, at that moment, loves that sport. And ESPN asks, name a sport or event you wish you uh, wish Twitter was around for. Now, Twitter didn't really get hopping in it around, until around 2006, and so there's so much, so many sports events that happened that occurred before Twitter was really Twitter and and. You know, everybody in your neighbor had a Twitter account. For me, the number one event that I wish Twitter was around for, the Miracle on Ice. Now, if you're not familiar with the Miracle on Ice, the Miracle on Ice was an ice hockey game during the 1980 Winter Olympics held in Lake Placid in New York, and it was played between the host country, the United States, and the Soviet Union on February 22nd, 1980. And as you can imagine, during that time, it was still the Cold War, it was very, very, you know, it was, it was big. Two countries that could not hate each other more. And it was the medal round of the hockey tournament. And the Soviet Union powerhouse in hockey for years. Four-time defending gold medalist. Heavily favored to beat us. We were a kind of a ragtag team put together. And we beat them four to three. I, I watched the game with my dad. It was, it was just amazing. This was one of those matches that bars were full, people watching, and went nuts all around the country. And two days later, we beat Finland to win the gold medal. 
Huge, huge for Twitter. Twitter would have lost its mind. Next up for me, the 1994 World Cup. Again, the World Cup was being played in the United States. And we were not the best team, but it was we made it to out of the group stage, made it, made it uh, to the round of 16 for the men's soccer. We were playing Brazil. And we hung in there really, really well. Looked great. It was an amazing, amazing match between Brazil, heavily, again, another team that just traditionally outclassed the field, and especially the United States. We lost. We lost. It was a 1-0 defeat, but we looked really good. It was a very proud moment for the United States men's soccer team. And that fueled us going into future years. Really put men's soccer in a, a push to be really good and to be great. Team now owes a lot to the 1994 World Cup team. And that would have been a fun Twitter moment. I was in Texas with my buddy. We were watching the game. And uh, heartbroken, but nonetheless, it was a great match to watch. Up next for me, I'm not a big basketball fan, but man, I, I, I really get inspired sometimes by women's basketball and what they do. And, the, and, the, and in this particular moment, Coach Pat Summit, an amazing coach, got her 800th and 80th win. That broke Dean Smith's old record of 879 wins. Dean Smith, longtime coach, men's coach. And it was an amazing, amazing accomplishment, amazing record to be broken. And so it just, it was a really huge for women's sports, for basketball, and for sports in general. Again, something that would have broken Twitter and would have been a lot of fun for Twitter. Now, for you basketball fans... And those of you that are basketball fans and have Twitter, I know you wish you had Twitter around the time when Michael Jordan played ball. That's why he is part of my list of things that I wish we had Twitter for. And it was his last time in a Bulls uniform. And it was the final game. Uh, It was during the NBA Finals, pardon me. And it was near the end of the game. MJ stole the ball from the Jazz forward, Carmelo. And headed to the opposite end of the court. Bulls needed to score. Jordan head to the top with less than 10 seconds remaining. Nailed a jumper. Giving the Bulls the 87-86 lead over the Jazz. They would go on to win the game. Win game six. And win and claim their sixth NBA title in eight years. Again, mainly because of Michael Jordan. And if you were like me and weren't a basketball fan... But you were a fan of Michael Jordan and watching Michael Jordan just rule the court. That was fun to watch. Just seeing highlights of him play basketball. And it was, it was amazing to watch. And finally for me, baseball. Big baseball fan. Can't not talk about a missed opportunity for Twitter than, and not talk about baseball. Now, clearly, the 1986 Mets winning the World Series and the Bobby Buckner Dribble underneath his glove or through the hole in his glove, whatever that may be, that is one that would have just ruled Twitter between the Mets winning and Bobby Buckner losing it for the Red Sox. But that would have been fun. 
But I, I think what would have been a bigger earth-shattering Twitter-topping topic was what happened in 2004 when the Boston Red Sox swept the St. Louis Cardinals to win their first World Series in over 88 decades, 80 years. I think that would have just been dominant for weeks on Twitter. And again, it's one of those things, if you're not a baseball fan, if you were from Massachusetts, if you were from Boston, if you were from the East Coast, if you were not a Yankees fan, you would have tweeted about this this game, about this World Series. And those for me are some of the top sports moments, sports events that I think we wished Twitter was around for. What do you think? Let me know. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's show. Let us know at AD underscore Forster on Twitter or Instagram. Our last week comes from somebody that I had a pleasure of working with who I hold in his high esteem and think is a wonderful director. That is John Kassar at J-O-N-C-A-S-S-A-R. He speaks of how Quentin Tarantino has his own movie theater, the New Beverly Cinema, plays his movies, gives the cinema, gives the theater owners that, they, that run it their, his suggestions from time to time. And John Kassar says, if I had a theater like Quentin Tarantino, here's the movies that I'd be playing this week. Casino, Lord of War, Breaking Away, and Clockwork Orange. Now, if you had your own movie theater, what would be your four movies that you would put in your theater? Now, there can be any genre, anything, anything at all. They don't have to be older movies. I would probably put older movies in here. In fact, most of my four movies are older. In fact, they all are older. But my four movies that I would put in my theater, and they'd be there for a while. I wouldn't rotate them out pretty much. And I, 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 would, I feel like I've got a good mix of action, drama, and a comedy. And so my four movies would be a Star Wars A New Hope, the original version, not the, not the put out in the '90s version. Is uh, uh, a space as a science fiction fan that is for me is one of my favorites, and it, it's one good for families, it's good for kids, it's good for adults. Next, you got to have a long epic movie in there, something that would you wouldn't get too many replays of because it's just really long. But it's a long movie that you don't know that you're sitting through a three-hour-plus movie, at least for me. And that movie is Braveheart. Braveheart, a beautiful movie. It's a love story. And not only a love story for his wife, but for his country. And Mel Gibson did an amazing job with this movie. And the score that goes with it by James Horner is second to none. I've talked talked about the event earlier, but there is a movie behind The Miracle. If you want a sports Tongue at your heart, touching movie. The Miracle is definitely it. And The Miracle is the movie version of the, the win against the Russians in the 1980 Olympics. And it's a very well done movie. And it's, like I said, it's a sports movie. has a message and it's fun. Finally, the fourth movie showing in my theater. Gotta have a comedy. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's a fun ride. It's funny all the time. Lots of laughs. And most of us that would go see the movie could probably recite most of the movie word for word. 
Those are my four movies. What would be yours? Let me know. AD underscore Foster at Instagram and Twitter. Yes, and so we have come to an end of another Tweet Talk, another episode. I appreciate you being here. I really do really enjoy spending time with you, sharing with you, getting you to think about the things we've talked about, the tweets we've talked about, and hope you use them as jumping boards to talk with other people. And as we roll into the holidays, especially for those of us here in the United States, we have Thanksgiving coming up, or it may have just happened if you're listening a little bit later, but enjoy the holidays. Been a tough year, and it's, we're, rounding, we're rounding third, and the, the holidays are coming, and the, the happy times of year. So smile, be happy, and please, if you will, just subscribe so you know when the next episode's coming out. Even leave a review if you're feeling cool to do it. Until next time, have a great day. Smile and smile at other people, even under that mask, because I know when I see other people smiling under my mask. Love you much. Thanks for listening. Thank you.